morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, and it is episode number 64, and on the other line, a simple four-hour drive away is Mr. Magnificent himself, Mr. Tony D. Viss. Mr. Viss, how are you this fine Sunday evening? You know, Marty, I'm just puzzled that it was 60 degrees here in Cedar Rapids today, and we start practice tomorrow. So um, I know it's not quite the, the snow on the ground, and but I feel like, you know, the night before Christmas. How about you? Ah, feeling good. Uh, like we talked about off air, we had our parent meeting tonight. Uh, I got a great group of kids. We, we got a smaller group. Like I was telling you, you know, we got we have 15 kids. We, we, we have technically 17 girls out, but but two of them are, are out with uh, injuries for the season. They're not going to be able to play. Uh, so 15 girls in uniform. Uh, we've got great sets of parents. Uh, just, just really excited to get going here, you know. So uh, wrapped up the final plans for the first week of practice. Uh, yesterday morning, I was bugging the crap out of my assistant coaches, sending them texts and emails about this and that and the other thing. And you know what? I don't feel guilty because that's why they get paid the big bucks to be annoyed by me, Tony, kind of like you get paid the big bucks via, you know, Arby's hot ham and cheese sliders and stuff like that. And to annoy John, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, episode number 64 here. Uh, we are going to talk about charting effort and uh, looking how effort plays can affect your program. But before that, Mr. Viss, number 64, uniform number 64. I have one, I know it's hard to believe, only one uniform number 64 that I thought was significant enough for us to discuss. All right. I think I know it. Okay. Guessing he's an offensive lineman for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go Randall McDaniel. Now, folks, we literally did not talk about this at all. Mr. Viss, you are magnificent. As I said, the magnificent Mr. Viss. Yeah. The, the victorious. That old phrase, the, the, the blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Yeah, that was that was really well done, Tony. That boy. Bring in the heat on a Sunday night. So, um, And so, folks, you know, speaking of which, uh, from now pretty much for the duration of the season. There might be an exception every now and then. We'll see. Um, but Tony and I are going to be recording these on Sunday nights. We're still not going to drop them till, till Friday. Uh, it seems like a good day to, to drop them. And uh, so some of the stuff that we might be talking about, uh, we might be a few days behind on. We, we recognize that. Uh, we're going to try and look a little bit into the future with some with some things, when, especially when we get to our TWIB stuff. So uh, if, if we're talking hoops and you're listening to this on Friday, it, it's just a matter of convenience for Tony and I, uh, just because during the week we, we've got games, we've got film and, and all that other stuff. But we've got this window here on, on Sunday evenings. Uh, Tony did not take his, his melatonin his no, uh, or anything like that yet. So um, and now I don't want to say too much, but Tony is slightly more seasoned and experienced than I am. <laughs> So his I think I'm on my like sixth or seventh Mountain Dew though. <laughs> oh jeez, how many Mountain Dews do you have a day? I'm just joking. I only have one. Okay, all right. Used to be six or seven when I was young, like you. But <laughs> well, um, I'll you know I'll take that. I had two today. I, I do confess, I, I did have two today. Uh, 
But yeah, nobody wants to hear about us drinking soda. They want us to, to talk about other things. I think some but, hoop. Yeah, let's let's talk some hoop. Uh, let's talk some let's talk some hoop here, and we're going to talk about charting effort. Um, Tony, what's the importance of of charting effort? You know, I think as we get ready to start practice tomorrow, uh, both of us, it's one of those things where early on, you know, we're going to want to get as much data as we possibly can on free throws and threes and, you know, wins in practice when we play, you know, small sided games or five on five or whatever the case may be. And then, uh, you know, you factor that in and then you're going to want to make sure they know what they're doing. You put in, you know, a variety of things, but, you know, I, I saw this video last week on Twitter and was like, you know, charting effort this time of the year, at least for the first few weeks, makes a whole lot of sense because there's going to be times that, you know, early on that they're they're going to want to do it, but might have kind of a little bit of a brain cramp from, from not having repped it for a while. And there's going to be time they're going to knock down this shot that they're normally, you know, missing at a higher clip, but effort's one of those things that you can always control. You know, we talk to our kids about the controllables attitude and effort are are two that we hammer home. And so effort early on this time of the year is so, so important. Um, You know, just kind of establishing your culture and how hard you play first to the floor and, and different phrases that you've heard from a variety of coaches that have done it for a while and done it well. I think you, you know, one thing that you brought up there, Tony, uh, that I wanted to lead with, and and you you did a great job with it. Was it, it it's something every player can do. You you don't have to be the best player. Uh, and and on great teams, there's usually a best player. On on bad teams, there's a usually a best player. So, but but every player can play with effort. It, it just 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 the way it is. And and also with that, Tony, it's got to be a non-negotiable. Like, fellas, if or or ladies, if if I have to tell you to play with effort, we are in trouble. You know, uh, we are here for a reason, and and so this is a non-negotiable. If you want to see anywhere on the floor, and and in in my situation, Tony, that was you know my first year. Uh, we just really emphasized things like that, and. You know, obviously, we were we were trying to give the kids some confidence, but we had to show places where we could win. And and at that point, especially early on in the season, we were not ready to handle the part of, uh, you know, we got better at taking care of the ball, as an example. We got better shooting the ball, as an example. But from day one, we could win who got on the floor first, like you said, or we could we could. Uh, we could take charges. Uh, we actually put up, we called it the, the, uh, the charge card in our locker room that year, which I should probably do again. And I took a, uh, a picture of a discover card and, and we put everybody's name on there and we literally, literally kept track of who took charges in games and practices. And then we gave that to, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Abby or McKenzie. They, they won that that year. And, and at the end of the year, we gave them that, that the, the charge, uh, card at the end of the year. So, uh, those are things. It's a. It's something that everybody can do, and B. It's got to be a non-negotiable. You can run all the plays you want. You can do this and that, but if you're not giving great effort, and if you're not if you're not winning those uh, detail categories, it doesn't matter all the other stuff. Because at some point, you're going to run into a talented team that also does those things well, and your pure talent isn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say this. I think, in all honesty. 
regardless of talent level, the team that plays harder, in my opinion, wins about 70% of the time. And so if you have to coach effort, like you said, you're wasting your time and Mm -hmm. you can't get to things that are super, super important. And that's something that they don't have to be coached on. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the best compliment I've been given is in a variety of places I've been, you know, I remember when I was in Audubon in the Western Iowa conference, I had a boys coach come up to me uh, from Evoke and say, you know, Tony, I was talking with some other coaches and we think the team that plays the hardest in our league, you know, regardless of gender is your Audubon girls team. And I took that as a huge source of pride and, and not necessarily anything in terms of like, you know, something that I, that I made them do. It was something that was intrinsic within them mm-hmm. that they wanted to do. They were the first on the floor. They took charges. They pushed the ball down the floor uh, with pace. And then our defensive transition was really, really good. Um, you know, and so those are things that you can sit there and chart like you, like we were talking about earlier here early on in practice. And, you know, if, if you can get that effort thing at a top level, you're going to give yourself a chance to win a lot of ball games. Did you share that? compliment with your team tony oh most definitely yeah yeah i you know i shared it with them when it was said and i shared it with them at the banquet um and i've had i've had you know a couple other schools that i was at that i've had coaches and i don't know if it was one where it was a boys coach that told me that it was probably another girls coach or two that told me that our team played the hardest Mm -hmm. i think another thing about charting effort is it forces you to look at the details of the game like you said tony uh you we get caught up in free throw percentage or, you know, shooting percentage. Oh, we shot two for 20 from the three-point line, and that's why we lost. Well, okay, are you going to have nights where you shoot two for 20 from the three-point line? Yeah, so you got to find ways to win those nights where it's inevitable. It's kind of like in baseball where, you know, you're going to have nights where the ball is going to look as big as a watermelon and your team is going to have 15 hits and you're going to score 10 runs and it's going to seem easy. How do you win that game where the where the ball looks like a pea and and you got to scratch out three hits and how you do that is with effort and you know we you were talking Tony and I, I guess I'll let you talk about this just why you know what is you know or let me rephrase that how can effort especially early in the season help your team grow until everything else catches up to it you know effort. I think in terms of like winning, like I said earlier, you know, regardless of talent level, I believe effort can help you win 70% of your games. Now you can run across those teams are just super uber talented and no matter how hard you play, uh, you might not be able to get them that night. Um, But at the same time, it's one of those things where with effort, it shows your passion for the game. If you're the first on the floor, um, if you're setting good hard screens, if you're pushing the ball down in transition uh, before and beating the other team down the floor, if you are sprinting back defensively and you know building the wall so to speak, speak uh, protect the paint and then fan out. You know those are things that if you can do, you're going to give yourself a chance to win pretty much any ball game uh, just based off of that. And if you shoot it well, you're going to win by a, a big margin. But no matter what, you can always win with effort. And it's one of those things I think a lot of times, you know, I use this with my team, is the sign of a good team is when you win in spite of not playing your best. And yeah. when we talk about our best, we're talking about our best in terms of like the finesse and like the fine-tuned things, like the ball going in the hole, execution being, you know, 
at a high level defensively, you know, flying around and stuff like that. But a lot of times when you take a look, you can always control that effort. And that's so, so very, very important to your team's success. Because if you can do that, as as you start to shoot a little bit better, as, as you get more reps, as you start to get a little bit better chemistry, because now they've been together for weeks or months or whatever the case may be. And as your communication gets better and as your ball movement gets better and as your defensive rotations get sharper and stuff like that, now you just keep playing at a higher and higher plane and effort can always give you a chance until those things come into place and get lined up like ducks in a row. Yeah. I believe I've, I know I've talked about it on the pod. I don't know if I've talked about it with you, Tony, but I divide up the season in thirds and Mm -hmm. approximately from November 15th to December 15th. I just think it's, you know, in my mind, it's like, it's going to be a mess. We're just going to, you know, offense is not going to be in sync, blah, blah, blah. But that's especially a time those first two or three weeks of the season, just creating like offense from your effort, whether that's defensive tips, uh, winning a 50 50, uh, those type of things, taking a big charge or, you know, sprinting back in defense and, and, and for, you know, getting a great closeout and, and a, and a great challenge on a shot, whatever, whatever those things may be. Uh, those are ways, don't you think, Tony, in the first two or three weeks that you can, you know, I don't want to say steal wins, but you can get wins in that time period because you know you're probably not going to be very sharp with your execution for that first month or so of the season. Yeah, it's winning ugly. Yeah. You know, and then another thing to kind of take a look at too with effort, you know, those offensive rebounds. If you're getting double digit offensive rebounds and you're getting, you know, uh, 12, 15 steals and turning the team over over 20 times a game, you know, you, you can't fault that. That's the type of effort and the stats that you're looking for. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every a pen and a napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of a pen and a napkin. A pen and a napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. How about uh, how about this? So you, you got to have the what or, or you know what's the what? So so what are some things that you should be charting in your opinion, Tony? Uh, what are some things that that you emphasize that you have charted maybe before whether it's games or practice now the clip that we saw this on it was a, it was a practice situation which it you know it's it's doable in practice but it's a little bit harder because it's it's live and you're probably not taping practice especially at the high school level uh, if you're a college coach you, you've got that advantage usually so uh, what are what are things that you have emphasized what are things that you have charted before maybe and, and how did you do it did you have a point system uh, you know what what all went into that Dr. Biss? Yeah, we do uh, a point system, uh, you know, where uh, we'll do a variety of things in terms of we'll make offensive rebounds. You get two or three points for your team by by pulling in that. Um, We'll do another one with turnovers where if a team turns it over, 
we take points off. And so again, trying to maximize that effort type of thing, um, you know, and, and we don't watch a ton of film with our practices, but we do watch some more though. We watch our scrimmages. We usually film our scrimmages and those are things, you know, did, you, did they run the lane hard? And you'll watch as you know, did the offense run the lane hard. Did the defense sprint back? And those are, those are effort things, you know, who pulled in the offensive rebound? Did they try to block out? You know, because sometimes you can you can do a great job blocking out, but just the ball bounces over your head. You might have backed them out as as well as what you could, but it bounces over your head. So you're just making sure did they did they put forth the effort on that? And then you know, again, you're not going to be super crisp and super sharp early on, but are they running the plays properly? Are we trying to get the ball reversed multiple times? Um, are we not settling for jump shots and getting to the rim? Are we setting good solid screens? You know, we set a lot of ball screens with our with our five man, and so they have to run twenty plus feet. Are they sprinting out and getting separation from their defender to create that two on one advantage with the offense? while the defense is guarding but some of those things are what we kind of look for in terms of our effort Mm -hmm. yeah we we do the same thing um we you know we have a point system i i want to re i want to look at it again and kind of reevaluate the points and the the number because i want it i want it to be something we can get to but at the same point i want it I want it to be difficult to get to, and mm-hmm. and and I've never really charted stuff in games, or I'm sorry, in practices. But in games, we're definitely going to do that this year. And I've talked, I know I've talked about it. Where you know we're we're going to have the the day after the game report cards uh, this year. That's the plan anyway. Uh, and and all four of us are going to take a, a different area. And and one of I, I think I think my son Michael is going to be doing hustle board. Um, but we we chart fifty fifties. Uh, and, and what we say all the time, hey, let's make 50-50s, 70-30s. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't make them 50-50s, you know. Um, paint touches on offense, uh, offensive rebounds, uh, shot contests, like you were talking, mm-hmm. um, gap stops on defense. Now, uh, defensive deflection. Now, I, I think that's a popular one that people like to talk about. But if your coach is saying, hey, we want to get into the gaps and we want to, uh, we're not going to overplay or this or that, um, then I don't know if you should have deflections. I don't know if you should really be encouraging deflections. You can't have, it's pretty difficult to have both. Uh, Hey, you know, play conservatively and get in these gaps, but we also want you to get deflections in the passing lanes and things like that. So I think that's one that you have to be careful with there. Uh, charges. I love charges. I tell our girls, and I don't know how you feel about this, Tony, but a charge, taking a charge in girls basketball is like a dunk in boys basketball. I've always felt like it. I would agree with that. It it has that chance of being that type of momentum changer. You're thinking the same thing? Yeah, I I think that it is. I mean, it is like a dunk in boys. Um, And to be honest with you, we had a kid uh, on our team. He took like five charges one game. It was, it was crazy. And he is, he is so much in the head of not only the other team, but the other team's coach who's complaining constantly to the officials about him flopping. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and we don't have the charge circle. And so there would be times where he would take it right under the basket and then you're taking points off the board. It's our ball. You've got them frustrated. You got their coach a little bit heated. But yeah, I, I, I would I would equate it to a dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I always have too. And, you know, those charges can just be huge momentum turner so um great teammates we try to chart or we want to chart you know uh tony comes out of the game 
and Billy comes in for Tony. Did everybody stand up? Was everybody really positive with Tony as, as Tony came off the floor? Uh, here's one for me, Tony. I want us to force our opponent to call the first timeout. Um, just as, you know, opening salvo here. Uh, because I hate calling the first time out. That's part of it. Um, but can, can are we going to come out really, really aggressively? And let's go on an early run in the game where they've got to call a timeout to stop the momentum of the game. Uh, that's another thing that, that we want to try and do as well. Uh, and, and, maybe you know, and, and Marty, why, why are why are they calling a timeout? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can think of usually my, my first timeout has been, hey, guys, they're playing harder than us. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. 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 You know, sometimes every once in a while, especially if it's a if it's a bigger game, um, it's a, you know, hey, let's calm down. All right. Yeah, hey, the they, they, they kind of threw a little bit of a punch there at us. Let's let's okay, let's let's slow down and, and, and let's throw a punch back at them here, you know. But you know, four out of five times, it's yeah, you're right, Tony. They're playing harder than us. We're not ready to go. Let's let's get after this here, gang. You know, let's 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 get going. So, um, screen assist is another thing that I had written down, Tony. That that we try to chart as well. I think there's some other, or I think that's another thing. And I think you mentioned screening as well. So, um, so that's some of the things that that we do. How how have you, or how do you re- reward individual players or your teams based on? Uh, you know, hustle stats and the and the hustle chart and and things like that. You know, one of the things that we used to do, and and I ended up I don't know how long this even lasts before we lost the stupid hard hat. But I had read uh, John Gordon's hard hat book, and we had one painted green because that's our color and stuff. And uh, you know, we were handing that out, and then I like I said, I don't remember how many weeks it lasted before we lost the stupid hard hat. But that's one <laughs> that we used to do. The hard hat used to be, you know, the the award for the kid who played the hardest and mm-hmm. so that was something i think they took pride in at least for a while till the till we had a kid lose it mm-hmm. um but yeah that's one thing we do and then the other thing too is you know usually after a game uh you know before before we get started with the next practice we kind of go through and we highlight you know who we thought played well and most of the time when i do the highlight it's you know the, the kid that played the hardest you know in yeah. terms of first on the floor in terms of, you know, uh, pushing the ball with pace in terms of sprinting back and just being, like you said, an overall good teammate and being the aggressor attacking the rim. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the ways that we've handled it. Just highlight before the the next practice after the game. And then we had the hard hat that Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you where it's at anymore. Well, I think that's John's fault. (laughs) Uh, I can't blame that one on him. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think there's two things. You know, we, we have our post-game awards, and, and we have uh, our, our lunch pail. It kind of goes to the, the best, you know, usually kind of goes to the kid that kind of had the best overall game. Uh, but I think there's there's two things that I've been really consistent with. Uh, number one is when we watch film of that game, we're going to show that. And we are going to celebrate it. You know, Tony took a charge. Take a look at this. Look how awesome this is. Look at Biss getting in there, man. He's in there. Look how, oh, that's awesome stuff. Look at that. Eh, that away, Tony, you know. Now, you know, I I generally haven't done a whole lot in front of the team going, hey, Tony, man, that was awesome when you had 30 the other night. I mean, you just kept shooting yep. and kept shooting and kept shooting. Now, I'll go up to you 
one-on-one and say, hey, Tony, great game the other night, man. Way to shoot it. Love the way you shoot it. Love the, love the time you're putting in the gym. Keep it up. But in front of the team, I'm probably not going to celebrate it that much because that's the easy thing for anybody to pick up on. Oh, this had 30. You know, well, everybody could see that. Uh, so I, I think that it's important that you celebrate it in front of the team, that you emphasize it. Uh, what's the PG thing, uh, PGC, uh, what's their saying? You are what is repeated or, or, uh, you are what you emphasize. You I are think. what you emphasize something along those lines. And, and I think that when you celebrate that in front of your team, when you emphasize that in front of your team, they're going to pick up on that and they're going to want to hear that praise. And they know, I mean, they're, obviously they're, they're, most of our kids are pretty smart kids, they're going to, you know, okay, this is important to coach. This is the way I'm going to get out on the floor. He's talking about Billy this way. Well, I want him to talk about me this way. I'm going to go out there and do it. And, and so uh, we, we've we done like the hard hat type of thing, kind of the, the award type of thing before. But if you're not into that, be sure that you recognize it in front of your team and not just recognize it, but celebrate it. If you're a pretty stoic person, if you're a pretty stoic coach, that's one thing where you have to celebrate that because I think, especially if you're more of a stoic person, when you're celebrating that stuff, it's going to sink in even further, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's what I think, Tony. Yeah. I mean, we had a situation last year where it was early in the game, loose ball. We had two guys dive after it. Ball. We were thought it was a pigskin and the way it was squirting around. Then the next thing, another guy had dove on the floor. So, like, early on in the game, we had three players dive on the floor right out of the gate. And that was something that we really celebrated and highlighted because mm-hmm. we, we take we take honor in being the first on the floor. And then, like you said, you know, as far as charges and stuff go, if you want them to do that, you better make a big deal out of it because they will do what you emphasize. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the how uh, – how do you do it, Tony? How do you put together these charts? Like the, the guy that we saw, or you, the, the, the clip that you found, Tony, uh, they do it in practice. Um, how, have, how have you charted this stuff before? Has it just all been, uh, you said it was game film and, and, and maybe some scrimmage stuff? Uh, yeah, it, game you, film, it, scrimmage stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been, we used to have like a board. Uh, you know, we felt like with our board, if we did, I think I can remember if there was like 15 things, if we did 10 or 12 of the 15 things, we thought we would win. And most of them, in all honesty, were, were effort-based things. And so we'd have stickers and stuff that we would try to get on there to see if we held them to a certain free throw percentage or field goal percentage. I'm sorry. And if we out-rebounded them by more than 10 and stuff like that. And so that was one way that we would emphasize it as well, where we would go in and look over the stats and, you know, plus minus and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I what, what the plan is for this year is one of my assistant coaches uh, is is going to be charting it, and and I would like to keep it like a you know a team thing, and, and the the team thing is the biggest thing, Tony. You know the team total has to be if if only one player is playing hard and everybody else mm-hmm. isn't, it doesn't matter. It, it's got to be no. everybody. So the team number at the end of the night has to be the most important number. But it, it also you know we I would like to keep it as as a uh, individual thing, you know, uh, Susie has, you know, she had 22 hustle points against West high on, on Tuesday night. And she had another 18 on, 
on Friday night. So she's averaging 20 hustle points a game or whatever, you know, and, and that's something we can bring out when, when needed, I guess, uh, when needed, because you know, just as well as I do, there's going to be those times where you're going to need to address it when you have to hold them to the standard that you have established within your program. And, and, and you've got to be able to say, Hey, uh, according to huddle, uh, Billy, you played 26 minutes the other night, uh, but you only had six hustle points. I mean, six hustle points in 26 minutes. That's my fault probably for having you out there as long as I did. And you've got to give us more than six hustle points. Um, it's, it's kind of probably my fault. I had you out there for that long. Now that I've seen this, it kind of makes me reevaluate things. If you want to play 26 minutes again, you got to have a heck of a lot more than six hustle points. So I think there's ways that you can use that as an, on an individual basis as well to help you with your decision-making and, and, and those things on down those lines. Don't you think, buddy? Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, and I, it's one of those things I thought that was good. There was you taking accountability with it too. You know, I left you out there probably too long. Maybe you got tired. Uh, maybe we need to cut your minutes back so you're fresh out there and you can give us more but we, we definitely have a higher standard than six hustle points when you're on the floor. Yep. Anything else on the hustle board or, or hustle stats or anything like that, Tony? You know, I, I would just say this, Marty. I think that, you know, when you're passionate about something, you pour your, your whole being into it. Like you care about it, your attention to detail, but more importantly, you play hard. And I think that's the thing that hopefully um, that, that we as coaches can kind of help get across to our players is the passion for this game and how much we love this game. And because of our love for it, we should give it our all. And I think that's kind of the the reflection of it with you. When you play all out, it's because you have a love and unbridled passion for the great game of basketball. Well, and I think that's, uh, you know, I, I love the way you say that, Tony. It's a it's a it's a teaching tool for life as well. You know, if mm-hmm. you know, kids, if you really want to get ahead in whatever path you choose, everybody sees the glamorous stuff, uh, but it's the grind. It's it's the person that that sticks around for an extra hour or two. It's it's the person that is a little bit more organized in your job. It's 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 the hustle stuff. Uh, who's going to make that extra connection? Who's going to make that extra phone call uh, to, to get that sale or wh- whatever whatever that avenue may be? And, and again, we, we've talked so often about how important sports are and how they're a metaphor for life. And I think that by charting effort that if you can teach kids just how to work hard, regardless of your talent level, and, and I tell my students all the time not to, I mean, I hope this comes out the way I intend it. Um, very clearly, Tony, I am not the smartest guy in the world. You know that. You know that. And, okay, I heard you say that, Tony. Yeah, I know. I agree. All right. I, I heard it. All right. And, and but I can, I can say without a doubt, I work my butt off. I mean, that is something that you cannot take away from me. And effort for me is just a non-negotiable with our teams because I really feel like that's nothing that, honestly, I don't feel like I should be really criticized that often for because I honestly feel like I work really, really hard at everything that I do. And, I, I you know, I, I again, I hope that comes out the right way because to me – that is something that I've learned from my dad. It's something I learned from people like Mike Power, uh, Ron Robinson, all these influential people that I've had in my life. 
and hustle, hustle board stuff, diving on the floor for loose balls. Those are the type of players that are usually really, really successful in life. And you can show that and you can paint that picture for your kids uh, to, to let them know that this is not just a basketball thing. It's a life thing as well. Yeah, and it's one of those things, Marty, where um, effort can hide a lot of warts. And it's one of those things, too, where, you know, there, there are times that we're going to be criticized and sometimes deservedly so. Yep. But one thing I hope I'm never criticized for and anybody that, that would, you know, has coached with me and been around me is the time that I put in. I mean, I, I, I put a lot of time into it. Um, I, you know, I don't cheat it. I don't sit there. It's not a hobby for me. Uh, it is a passion. And, I, you know, I want to be really, really good at it. And if I'm going to demand that kids put in time to get better, I got to have those same expectations for myself. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter. Send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. But you know who doesn't have warts, Tony? No, they're all glam, and that's Europe. Um, who was our guy last week? Woody, uh, <laughs> I remember now, but yeah, right. Woody, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good one. Woody Salisbury. That's what it was. Yes. It was the Salisbury steak. I yes. forgot about that. With a little slice of love. Yep. So, all right. What do you got for me? Buddy? All right. You ready? I am ready. Before we went live, we were talking about, uh, some college basketball stuff and got into talking a little bit about Caitlin Clark and so on and so forth. And, you know, she became the all-time uh, leading scorer at the University of Iowa. And, you know, knowing that you're from Iowa and you're, you know, kind of a basketball junkie that, that you know, knows all kinds of stuff, I didn't want to give you an easy can of corn and ask, you know, who she passed up as the all-time leading scorer at the University of Iowa, which is Megan Gustafson, by the way. Mm-hmm. So she also recorded a triple-double today. She became just the second women's player in history to record a triple-double in her freshman, sophomore, junior and senior seasons who is the other player the other women's player that was able to record a triple double all four years of her college career uh is she a tennessee volunteer no she is not Mm. Mm. okay give me a second cheryl miller Cheryl Miller is a good guess, but not her. Uh, two more guesses. Okay. Um. God, this is a good one, Tony. Sabrina Inescu. Sabrina Inescu. Is correct. Yes, and it counts. Absolutely terrific. <laughs> 
Yes, Marv. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Marv Albert to Mel Allen. Yes. Uh, no, before we got going here, uh, and before I, I picked up an FCC fine that we edited out of this, uh, <laughs> Tony was, was regaling in my <laughs> mess up. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, Caitlin Clark the other night, uh, well, today uh, was Sunday, and she had the triple-double against Northern Iowa. Uh, just pff, saying again why she is, she she's the best player in the country and, and, and has a chance to go down as, as perhaps the best uh, college women's basketball player ever. I, I, think, I think we're starting to talk in that way, Tony, don't you think? Yeah, I mean... If she has another thousand point season, which she had a thousand point season her junior year, and she I think she was averaging like thirty six or thirty seven going into today's game. Um, but if she does that again, she'll become the all time leading scorer in NCAA history. And it's not just that. I mean, she I think she's led the NCAA in assists two years as well, and may very well lead it again because she obviously had double digit assists today. Um, and she would have double digits assist against uh, Virginia Tech, but they missed a lot of bunnies that she had set them up for really, really well. But anyway, um, I believe she's she's in that conversation. If there was a Mount Rushmore of women's college basketball players, she'd have to be on that as one of the four best to ever play. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Here's here's the impact. And, and I did the podcast right after the LSU championship game last year about, you know, the birth of the icon and, th- and, and stuff like that. Here's how you know that she's just different. Uh, here's two things. Uh, and they're, and they're tied into one another. You know, what it take less than 24 hours for Iowa to sell out their, their entire home schedule last yeah. spring or something like that for uh, every home game, 15,500 people. It is sold out instantaneously, essentially. Um, and then, uh, I texted my cousin, Jim, who lives down in Charlotte, North Carolina on Wednesday. I said, Hey, you going to go watch Iowa play? And he's like, Oh, are they, are they going to be around? And I said, yeah, you know, the Iowa women are playing Virginia tech, uh, tomorrow night in Charlotte. And, uh, he texted me Thursday morning goes, you know, me and my daughter, I got, uh, his daughter, Aaron is a basketball junkie as well. He's like, yeah, we got tickets. I said, Hey, uh, if you don't mind me asking, um, how much did you pay? And he told me, he goes, they got upper bowl tickets and it cost him $40 a ticket. He said he could not find, now this is a, this is a neutral court, roughly what, 800 to a thousand miles away from Iowa city. It's a yeah. neutral court game, a women's basketball neutral court game. He said during he the could, week, during the week on a Thursday night, he could not find a ticket in the lower bowl of an NBA sized arena for less than a hundred dollars. Wow. And and I think that that just not only the play on the court, but just the effect that she is having on the game uh, is is just. It's going to be a while before we see something like this ever again, Tony. I, I, and and maybe maybe it's hyperbole. Maybe I'm speaking in the moment, but there's there's uh, nobody did this for Sabrina Inescu. Nobody did this for Cheryl Swoops. Nobody. This is this is on a whole uh, a whole another level that that we've ever seen before. 
and the thing on top of it, I mean, she is so gracious. She sticks around and signs autographs, gives her shoes away. Um, I don't know if you saw the the footage the other night in Charlotte. There was a boy wearing her jersey. Mm-hmm. She came over and signed his jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't think of an, of another player that uh, that I've ever heard of that a boy had worn her worn you know the girl's jersey. I don't I don't um, mean this I don't mean this in a bad way, Tony. I'm just speaking in in truth. But in 1988, you and I wearing a a Cheryl Miller jersey to to school. Uh, would not have increased our popularity. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and now she is... I don't know if that hurt mine either. <laughs> when you're starting at zero, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, she she has just... She has transcended the game to where now you just have casual male fans are tuning in to watch her play, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said today at you and I that they opened up the tickets uh, for for the thing, and there was a lot of people that wanted the Iowa game. They had never sold out a game before. They sold it out today, but they made it that if you wanted to guarantee yourself a ticket to the Iowa game, you had to buy season tickets to you and I. Wow! And that took care of a bunch of them. They opened up the singles tickets, sold out in less than an hour. Wow. Um. Yeah, it's she is just she's just unbelievable. She's just absolutely and, and she plays uh you know, she shot 31 times the other night against Virginia Tech and I only saw uh cuz we were watching the Nebraska game, we we're kind of bouncing back and forth and I only saw about the last 15 minutes or so of the game. She maybe forced one shot. You know, yeah. she scores 44 points, but it's not like she's a gunner either you know she's got not does she have the ball in her hand a lot yeah but it doesn't stick in her hand you know and and when she when it does stick a little bit it's it's going north south she's not pounding the air out of the ball uh there's there's always there there she's always looking to just make the next play to make her teammates you know to to help the team and she's concerned about winning first and foremost you know and I think the other night against Virginia Tech, she grew a little bit frustrated with um, her teammates weren't making open shots. And so I think that was probably why she maybe took a four shot or two or three in that game. Uh, today, she was a very willing passer um, and her teammates knocked down shots. Uh, Gabby Marshall knocked down five threes and they went into a, a really tough environment and won very comfortably. Mm-hmm. And so I think you'll see them tomorrow be ranked number one. And uh, yeah. that's just a big deal. That's a big deal with uh, both both UConn and uh, LSU having lost the first week of the season. And I think Iowa's remaining non-conference schedule will probably be favored by double digits until they get into the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, 
no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Well, speaking of, of UConn, um, they took one on the chin here today. North Carolina State uh, played really, really – I, I was watching the game on and off, had to go out, finish raking some leaves in the front yard for the for the fall. Uh, you know, so uh, – but I watched the last 15 minutes or so of that game, and, and North Carolina State looked awfully, awfully impressive. And, and uh, boy, you know, you, especially on the defensive end, that was not the typical effort and – you know, we're talking about effort. Um, they got Beckers, they got AZ Fudd, they got you know every you know pretty much everybody on, on UConn is going to be a McDonald's All American or darn close to it. But they just got outworked today, and we you know we've talked about effort earlier on in the pod, and it doesn't matter how much talent you had if you don't work hard, you're going to get beat. And and UConn kind of like in the same way that happened with LSU, they did they just they didn't lose, they they got beat. And they got beat pretty soundly, uh, in the especially in the fourth quarter today. Just North Carolina State just outplayed them uh, the last fifteen minutes of the game and pulled away and ended up with a convincing victory. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Coach Oriana, uh, film session is going to be brutal. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be tough, and they're going to hear a lot of what we talked about today. Just lack of effort. I mean, when's the last time you saw UConn give up that many points? Um, you know, and I believe it's Sanaya Rivers. I could be wrong, but she had like 30 some points just went off. If I remember correctly, I think she is a uh, South Carolina transfer to, to NC State. Yeah. And they were predicted, Marty, they, NC State was predicted to get eighth in the ACC. If there are seven better teams in the ACC than North Carolina State, that is going to be a grinder. I would not want to play in the ACC. That's for sure. So and the Pac 12 is undefeated. Every team in the Pac-12 through the first week of the season is undefeated. And uh, Stanford just blasted Indiana today by over 30. And oh, Indiana's wow. in the top 10. I did not see that. Yeah, we, we, well, we had that parent meeting. I saw that game was coming up. So, uh, But I had to get you know finish the final preparations for all that. So, uh, wow, I did not know that. I didn't know that final score. Um, and I didn't know the Pac-12 was undefeated. That's, as, as Ron Burgundy would say, that's impressive. You know, so... Um, how about uh, you, we want to go men's college basketball, or do we want to go pro ball next, Tony? Uh, let's let's just let's transfer over to to men's because yeah. I think what we're seeing in the women's is what we're going to see in the men as well, where there's going to be a lot of things. I heard somebody say the other day they think that as many as seven teams and women's could be number one at some point. And I kind of laughed that off. I was like, LSU and UConn are like super teams and both of them lose in the first week. So what do I know? And I think you're going to see something similar in the men, because I know one of the games that we talked about discussing in the men was Duke getting knocked off at home uh, by Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Arizona did a nice job. Tommy Lloyd's a heck of a basketball coach. Uh, and they went in there. Uh, they played a really solid game. I thought, uh, this sounds like a. I, I saw more of this game than I saw of of the other games uh, to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in the season, I thought Arizona really, really executed the last minute of the game. They had a four or five point lead, and they just you know they fouled when they needed to foul. Uh, up three with with seven eight seconds left. Uh, their press break was really well done. Uh, it was just a really really well coached last sixty seconds of the game by Coach Lloyd and his coaching staff. And his kids looked like they were really really prepared. Uh, and, and Shire did some good things with his team. I'm not saying that he did, but but it was just uh, 
in in that environment uh, at that level, uh, you know, they they played really flawless to seal that win on the road in a special situation. You could tell that they had spent a lot of time on that. They did a really, really nice job. I was So if you if you want to go check that out, I, I encourage you to go check it out. Check out the film. I'm sure it's on YouTube or whatever, or something like that, a streaming service of some sort. Uh, I, I thought Tommy Lloyd did a really good job there. Yeah, and I think Tommy Lloyd, it's his third year, and I think he became the first coach in their first three years to knock off a top five team each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I give him a lot of credit. Like you mentioned, the execution was, was flawless. Uh, they were six for six uh, from the free throw line late to seal the deal there. Um, you know, Caleb Love, the transfer from North Carolina, uh, didn't have a great game for him, but he stepped up in huge situations for them. I believe he was at that six for six free throw. I think he was four out of four uh, at, at the end there and then had an assist on the last dunk to end the game. Uh-huh. Um, but, but you know, not a great game by any means on, on his part, but he, was, he stepped up in clutch moments for them. Um, you know, and then you turn around, you take a look, you know, Duke rated number two, uh, Shire had not lost. I mean, it's not like he's been doing it for 10 years at the head coach, but he had not lost at Cameron yet. And then to go in there and I want to give, uh, Arizona and Duke props because I've been kind of disappointed with, with the college men this first week, not some of the marquee games that the women have had, Mm -hmm. uh, but Arizona and Duke stepped in two versus 12 there. And we're going to see that change. I think Tuesday, there's a big night of games coming up that I know you wanted to, to touch on as well. Yeah. Yeah, we we uh, we got the Champions Classic coming up here now. Some of that luster has been taken out of that because Michigan State losing to James Madison uh, and Duke losing to Arizona, so a little bit of that luster is taken out. Uh, Kentucky, yeah, they're they're a top twenty team, but it's not the Kentucky that we saw for a stretch there. And and Kansas has has looked pretty good. You know, Hunter Dickinson has come in and uh, he's a he's a big dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not Zach Eady big, but big dude. And, uh, you know, so it, it still should be a, a good slate of games. United Center is a great place to watch basketball and, and it should be, uh, should be, should be really good, uh, to see, to see that. And, and it's kind of become an annual tradition here, uh, to, to see these four teams square off. But yeah, some of the, some of the luster has been kind of taken off of this a little bit here early on in the season because of some struggles of some teams here. So, uh, it, it, again, struggles being relative will, you know, could, UConn women or LSU women be better because of this? Could this be a blessing in disguise? Absolutely. Could Duke losing at home against Arizona be a blessing in disguise? Absolutely. There's there's so much growth potential, and, and sometimes uh, you can take you could talk it, you could preach it, you could do this and that. But sometimes you just you just need to kind of get hit in the nose a little bit before you're really to, ready to pay attention at the level that you really really need to pay attention to and. And so they can crank up that game film, like you said, Coach Ariema. I think is he's gonna he's gonna let his ladies know that that was not acceptable. So um, should be good there. Should be good. So yeah, you know, when you mentioned Kansas, and I know it was a scrimmage, but Kansas when they went in and played uh, at Illinois. Uh, Illinois got them in a scrimmage. And so I think, you know, like I was kind of alluding to earlier, that it's going to be a topsy-turvy year. I think men's, this is about as much talent as they've had in a while on the men's side of things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, You know, as you mentioned with with Kentucky, uh, not the Kentucky of when Calipari first went there, uh, but there's some very talented players there. They have their, obviously, their fair share of McDonald's All-Americans. Um, but yeah, it's not the Kentucky when, when Cal was first there, but Kansas looks like the real deal. Yeah. Um, but you know, Michigan state Izzo had alluded to, but James Madison 
um, has gone on and done some some pretty pretty good thing, pretty good things since Michigan State. They showed it wasn't a fluke, but I know Izzo was kind of leaning on some of the upper class guys, and after getting beat by James Madison, said it might be time to get some of those that top ten uh, freshman class a little bit more of a chance. So it'll be interesting to see on Tuesday if he goes that route and plays those freshmen a little bit more. Yep. 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 Um, NBA, we wanted to highlight one fella in particular here, Tyrese Maxey. Like I said, we were recording this on Sunday, went for 50 today. Uh, the Sixers are humming along here and they are looking pretty good. And, uh, again, Tony, we're not familiar with the entire situation, of course, but we could be seeing the old phrase addition by subtraction playing itself out in the city of brotherly love. Yeah, it's amazing when you get, you know, five guys on the floor that want to play as a team and, and all five guys want to play defense. And I think with Maxi, he was going to be uh, kind of a little bit of an eclipse and, and, and hardened shadow there. Uh, James was not going to let him become who he could become. And so getting James out of there, I think, was really health, healthy for Tyrese's growth. And then on top of that, it really freed up a lot of salary cap for the Sixers. And I can't think of a better duo in the NBA right now than than Maxi and Embiid. Um, and I think last year, you know, we mentioned this with with Denver is the fact you had Jamal Murray, you had Nikola, you know, Jokic. And so uh, you have two guys and you get three guys that start on their roles around them and have some yeah. solid play off the bench. You've got something special and Philly might, you know, might have something here uh, with being eight and one first place in the East. They knocked off the Celtics in a, in a Donnie Brook the other night. Yep. And so uh, they might very well right now be the best team in the East. Yeah. Uh we had talked, you know, after Denver won it, and, I, and after Phoenix made these trades, and I've always, I've always believed, you know, get two studs and a bunch of role players, uh, good role players. Like you have to have a couple of high level pro role players. Like like Denver has Aaron Gordon and Michael uh, Michael Porter Jr. MPJ. You know, th those guys are really good. But I, I've never been a fan of the the big three concept. You got to be really, really careful. You got to be really fortunate, really lucky with health. Like the year, you know, Boston had the big three. Those guys were really healthy all year long. And and mm -hmm. you know, and uh, but you know, I've I've always liked the big two in depth. Uh, has has always been kind of my belief. And and you're seeing that in Philly right now. You're really seeing that. Um, I, I think they they got a couple of guys in Batum and Covington that I've always liked as just high-end, good, solid role players. Uh, they don't need the ball to be successful. Uh, you know, between those two guys, hit four threes a game. You you know, you two guys hit four threes a game. Uh, uh, on average-ish, you know, three and a half, four threes a game. Play great defense, rebound. Uh, give us about a combined 15 points and be tough and hard-nosed and let Embiid and Maxie and, and Tobias Harris uh, you know, do their thing. And, and Tobias Harris, as a third guy, is showing that, hey, I, you know, remember me? I know I got a lot of money and a lot of people criticize me for it, but I'm kind of showing that I'm, I'm still pretty good here, too, if you give me a chance to do some things. And, and so um, I like this Philly team. I like the way it's kind of come together. I hope Daryl Morey sees this. Uh, because he's, you know, he's said, you know, I want stars, I want stars, and he's got a couple stars. I think he's he's got the league's MVP, returning MVP, but I think there's a developing star right next to him here that's that's playing some really really good basketball right now, and the team's playing yeah. really good basketball. 
the one thing that'll be interesting, uh, Kelly Ubery got hit by a vehicle, a uh, mm-hmm. fractured rib, and so he's going to be out for a decent amount of time. But he was really playing well for them. Um, you mm-hmm. know, he was shooting 50% from three. I think he was scoring a little over 16 a game. Yep. Um, and that's who uh, Maxi dedicated his game to today was Kelly Ubre. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, do they go out and, and maybe find a, a trade partner uh, to get someone to fit in that spot or, you know, uh, Trying to remember, I think it's Martin Jr. that they got from the the Clippers in that Harden trade. Will his minutes now increase with Ubre uh, out for a, a little bit of time here? They they said he he's going to be reevaluated in a week. So okay. I I think that and, and fingers crossed. And obviously his his overall health after getting hit by a car is the the most important thing. Uh, but uh, if he's only out for three weeks, let's say. You know that's a that's a manageable that's a manageable thing for them, and they they, mm-hmm. they should be okay there. So, um, like I say, you know sometimes Tony less is more, and it's about how the piece is put together. And let's go full full circle with it. It's how you play with effort, and when all five guys are playing with effort. And again, we're not going to throw anybody directly under the bus, but there is one thing that's been missing here, and we'll see if it plays out. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but his new team is 0-4 uh, with him yeah. in the lineup. You know, and I don't know if you saw the Mavericks announcer just roast him. It was like a three-minute rant, but he just uh, went went scorched earth on James Harden, um, and you're the problem, James. And you know that I don't know. And like you said, the evidence right now, and again, it's a small sample size. The Clippers are out of sort. I believe they had only lost one or two games before he came there, and they are 0-4 with them. Yeah, uh, they lost to uh, they lost to Memphis, who has been scuffling without Ja Morant, uh, to say the least. That Memphis is two and eight, and that's one of those two wins is over the Clippers, you know. So, uh, you you don't want to you don't want to get too high, but you don't want to get too low either. But you know, at some point, you got to take a look at the numbers and. And the math doesn't lie. We're both social studies teachers, Tony, but we know math usually doesn't lie. And and uh, but it's a long season. Let's see what happens. So yep, if there's a coach that can get her figured out and get things heading in the right direction, I believe it is Tyler. Yep, he is a heck of a basketball coach. That is for sure. So all right, uh, episode number sixty four, charting effort, talking about effort and all sorts of different things. Tony and I touched on a bunch of different things. Uh, Tony, good luck tomorrow. First day of practice. Um, excited to see how the Cougars do this year uh, at all levels, and uh, wish you nothing but the best. And and uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you in a week or so. All right, buddy. Yeah, see how that first week goes for the pioneers and the new unis and all that good stuff. So it'll be exciting to talk to you next week as well. We did get the new unis, and did you see those? I did. Yeah. They look sharp. Yeah, Carter Plum uh, was the one that put those together. So uh, he likes doing that stuff, and and. The, the last two or three times that I've ordered uniforms, I've let Carter design them, and mm-hmm. and my players have liked them every single time. So, you know, He's got a gift. I, I am proud of all my children for a lot of different reasons, and a uh, proud dad moment that, uh, you know, Carter's just a basketball junkie as well, and, and he likes doing that stuff. And so uh, we, we will wear those with pride, Carter, so if you're ever listening to this. So, 
Uh, episode 64 in the books, Charting Effort. Hope you folks enjoyed it. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, you know how to get a hold of Tony and I. Uh, so let it rip. We're more than willing to help you out. So, Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.